Hello and welcome to another edition of Turned Out a Punk Footnotes. I'm one of your hosts, Damien Abraham, and your other host, as always, is my friend and your friend too, the wheelin' dealin', kiss stealin' Chris O'Toole. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> Good, how are you? Good, I gave you the Ric Flair intro. <laughs> like I was confused on the one part, but okay, that makes more sense now. Yeah, you got no. I wasn't saying any implying anything, uh, you know, terrible about you. No, I was making <laughs> reference to Ric Flair. Yeah, who uh, you know, it's, it's I guess he's it's like a, a perennial flower. He seems to have a, like a, a bloom every year where he gets kind of rediscovered by another yep. musician or something. So right now we're in the Ric Flair drip era. Yeah, well, the Migos thing, right? Whatever that song yeah, is, yeah. Yeah, Ric Flair drip, right? Is that? I don't know what it's called, but it's yeah, it's something. He's in the video, and I don't. I didn't get to watch it yet, but yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> it's obnoxious, you know. Oh yeah, like, of course. You know, but that's why you love Ric Flair. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, it's. I gotta say, I prefer Cameron's Ric Flair song that came out this year. <laughs> I don't know that one either. <laughs> the hard ass Ric Flair sample before before uh kill a cam it is quite funny that well it's not again maybe it's based a lot of it on the documentary because that seemed to get some some notice of course but the uh the amount of rick flair tribute sort of things like you're saying in the last like year or so is kind of wild i i do agree it's kind of bizarre i don't know if it's like i wasn't noticing them before or what but yeah it's it's you know it's due he's a legend but He's a legend. I think it's also as, you know, other legends in wrestling have diminished for whatever reason. <clears throat> Ric Flair's someone that, you know, like <laughs> there's definitely some faults with Ric Flair. Don't get me wrong on that. Of course. Yeah. 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 But it's like, you know, someone that you can still kind of, uh, you know, uh, look at and acknowledge a little bit. Yeah. He's like, uh, he's. I think like into I don't like baseball, but as a as an analogy, he's he didn't end up like a Pete Rose, but maybe should have. Yeah, <laughs> is the best way to put it. Yet somehow he didn't. I think that's more intriguing. Of course, his life's intriguing, but the fact that he kind of somehow avoided that. Whereas I think like maybe Hulk Hogan did end up like Pete Rose eventually. Robot, it out. you robot it out for a second. All right, no worries. Well, I had no point. I was just talking nonsense. That's go on. <laughs> uh, you know, I think I think Ric Flair's like one of those one of those you know, like he is the greatest of all time. You know, like he put on he wrestled in the biggest wrestling match ever. Granted the audience was forced to be there in North Korea, but it was the biggest <laughs> wrestling match of all time. You know, and like you know, and it, if you're a wrestling fan, you kinda gotta look at him as being that like He's in that conversation as the, as the greatest wrestler of all time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> See, Chris, look what you made me do. You've made me turn this into a wrestling podcast. No, no, I, I don't know. Oh, I didn't make you do that. You started <laughs> you off did. with it. You did. It was you. I blame you. <laughs> yeah, my over. I, I just need that wrestling content all the time. You do. The you, you, you get on the phone with me, and the first thing you do is like, yo, what's up in New Japan right now? Yeah, you exactly. Know, you're like, all in. Let's talk about the all in show. <laughs> I love that I actually don't know what those things are, but yeah, yeah go all on. in Chris is the equivalent of 
I, I don't know, like Green Day playing at Woodstock. Like this is a major. It's going to be. A, it's a ten thousand seater venue being run okay. just outside of Chicago by the Bullet Club, and it's based on um, Dave Meltzer, you know, noted wrestling historian, wrestling writer, saying that he didn't think they could fill a ten seater venue, ten thousand seater venue, and they are going to. It's going to be nuts. Okay. And it's a bullet club, independent wrestlers, Chris. This is happening. Okay. Okay. <laughs> what what I do think you should do is do your plugs before we, we go off on a trail too much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, if you want to get in touch with me, you can find me on various forms of social media, at Left for Damien. If you'd like to send an a, a email to myself, you can do so at turnedoutapunkpodcast at gmail.com. But... Chris, if they want to get in touch with you and me right here, how do they do that? Well, it uh, the address for that one is turned out a punk footnotes at gmail.com. And so that's how you get in, like into this show specifically. Yeah, this show specifically. Because like, you know, we don't fuck around on this show. We go we go right to the <laughs> we go right to the, the stuff that's pressing that people want to know about. <laughs> <laughs> or or all we do is fuck around and the other show doesn't fuck around at all. Yeah, well, I don't know. <laughs> the other show the other show is, is very purpose driven, but this show we've got goals. We do have goals to unearth the things that don't get enough like highlight or whatever, yeah. I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, like now yeah. we're gonna go back and we're gonna be able to discuss some stuff that, you know Yeah. Like, you know, this to me is in my all time favorite episodes list. The in black, yeah, it's. I thought it was very good. I was. Uh, I always like people that you get when I know them from their work without any knowledge of them, you know, it, it liking this kind of music. So I'm always curious to see their journey. And yeah, I thought he was good. I thought he was. Uh, you know, he could re- he could recall everything, which I thought was kind of cool. But I still think that I can't believe he sang in the band. I didn't expect him to be a singer. Yeah. So that, that's what sort of shocked me more than anything. But yeah, I we may could... have a lead on tracking down a copy of this demo. Now. <laughs> that's so great! <laughs> I can't wait to hear that. I I am I cannot wait to hear it. If this happens, and I get a chance to hear it, uh, we should probably do like a turn out a punk live listening party. <laughs> Uh, sure yeah absolutely no it's it's great actually since this episode came up i've been in touch with tim shaw and gonna have tim shaw on the podcast too but we will get into all of this in a minute because that's what we do on this podcast we we have a structure right chris yeah uh but we're uh i guess we had news uh i guess we don't really have any news no other than you love the turnstile record that's our news sounds good that turnstile record um and uh I guess that's it. I guess we should move on to, to today's show. <laughs> there you go, folks. That was our news segment. That was our news right, segment. So. We should we should definitely read more news. Uh punknews.org uh is the site that you can check for news. That's yeah. probably that's probably the, the best bet right now. Um <laughs> because it's definitely not coming from Chris and I. Uh, no, no. There's a new warp tour. Did you actually let's let's this will be fun. They announced the lineup for the new warp tour. The last Warped Tour ever, Chris. I uh, I did not know that. I did hear that it was ending, but I thought it already it had already concluded. Pardon no, me. No, this is the last one. This is it. It's the final full cross country tour, is what they're saying. I don't think it's coming to. I don't think it's coming to us. Sadly, um, but uh, how many Warped Tours did you go to? 
One. Or no, sorry. Uh, one as a attendee and one as a worker. One was with you, yeah. So yeah, you were you were at fifty percent of the ones I've been I went to. I went to um, a lot more than that. Yeah, no, I only went to ninety seven. I want to say it was the second year, I believe. Uh, next week's guest, Rock from the Crypt, played. Uh, no effects, Fishbone. Uh, Pennywise saying bro him on stage at that one. I don't remember if Pennywise played, to be oh, honest. Oh, fuck, they did play, Chris. Trust me on this one. I don't know if it was that one. I think it was the one after. No, trust me. They played that one. Oh, no, sorry. Part. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I lied, actually. I went to two as an attendee yeah. and worked, worked another. So I've been to three, technically. Okay. Yeah. No, they so definitely I'm played confusing. that one. That was uh, the one at Mossport, and it was the same yeah. people that organized yeah. that other festival that the Buzzcocks played at. That was like a huge disaster. So there was not enough money to pay for security. So that's how my brother and I were kind of able to like finagle backstage passes from limo, <laughs> so we could go yeah. interview No Effects for our imaginary zine that never came out. <laughs> it was a decent year that year, yes. Oh, it was um, a great year, yeah. There's like trying to think who else I really liked that year that I watched. Um, feel like there was something on the side stage I really liked. I remember seeing Field Day. You remember that band oh, Field, Field Day? Day? Yeah, yeah. I got the seven inch there. Still have it. Um, have not listened to it in a very long time, but yeah, field day. I remember Angelo from Fishbone was emceeing the. Yeah, that's I remember that. And he was like reading passages from, I don't know, I, I don't know what it was. It was like a, some kind of a book, but it was almost like it wasn't quite like it was self help, but not quite. Okay. It was almost like weird. I don't know, like it was self helpy, but I don't know if I would say it was outright self help. But that was his like intermittent things, like like guiding the aimless youth mm-hmm. <laughs> before controlling these. Did Down by Law? Uh, yes, I believe. Yeah, they definitely did because I got a shirt there for sure. I got the classic Snickers ripoff punkers shirt. Yes. Yeah, that was a no. Was that a no effects shirt? No, no. Oh no, that was no effects. Pardon me, you're right. But Down by Law did play because I did get a Down by Law shirt too. Yeah, Down by uh, Law played. That was on their mod, one of their mod records. Yeah, we discussed that last yes, week. Yes, we did. <laughs> we, we, we're good on that. <laughs> <laughs> we're good on that. We don't need to go back into that one yeah. yet. Yeah. Just yet. Um, yeah. I'm trying to remember who else played based on the interviews I conducted for the Z. Well, one I out. remember was Alcoholics played, the hip-hop group. Yes, which the Alcoholics was played. Very bizarre yes. and awesome. Um, i trying to think who else. Rock from the Crypt. Uh, Deftones, I believe, who I watched three seconds of and then walked away from, and that's yeah, it's fitting. And I had the I same still... vibe, and people love that band though. That was like the year that everyone's like, "Yo, this is the best fucking band." Yes, I did not feel the same way, I and know. I continue to feel that way. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I will like they're like one of those bands that like, you know, it's not shut it down when it comes on. You know, like I can I can get why people like it. Yeah, it's not for me. I, I'm not gonna bag on it. I know a lot of people that like it too, as you do, and I, you know it is what it is. Just not my not my thing. Never yeah. been. Yeah, no. But definitely. yeah, they were definitely like they, it popped off that year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember it. who else played. You were not the first year. First year classic lineup: Quicksand, Orange oh, Nine Millimeter. Yeah. Uh, well, that's why I went because I missed all this. Like I met the first year was had a great lineup. Killer L Seven. Yeah, not that the second year was good, but first year was like off the chain. Third as, year was sick of it all, like H two O. Yeah, the, uh, I saw both Descendants. Yep, Millen, Colin, uh, Bouncing Souls, Bouncing uh, Souls, Pennywise again. Pennywise, I think. 
Social D. Uh, who H2O. else played? Yeah, you already said uh, them. They played the side stage in Buffalo. Did you go to Buffalo, right? Yeah, I went to Buffalo, too. To, Snapcase yeah. played, too, in Buffalo. Snapcase, that's right. So that's, where Snapcase the with the headline. that's where I brought the Hatebreed record. Oh, nice. Off Snapcase, um, Snapcase's merch table. Yeah, I'm trying to think who... Uh, I feel like we're missing some, too. Still, oh, We clearly are, because uh, there's a billion fans that played. But, oh, yeah, Sugar uh, Ray. <laughs> Kid, Kid Rock. Did not see them either. Him, you know, the, the year, And then the year after that, it's like... <laughs> Um, I th- uh, it was Black Eyed Peas, Eminem, yeah. oh. uh, Scarhead, <laughs> Seven Seconds, cool. H2O, Ice I never D. saw Scarhead. I wish I saw Scarhead. Love Scarhead. Dude, it was fucking crazy. It was nearly a tornado. Like, think about that lineup. That's an amazing lineup. Like, I would pay to go to that show today. I wouldn't, but I'd pay to see Scarhead even You wouldn't pay to see, like, a, a show... Great. Okay. Yeah. Like now that I'm saying this out loud, but it was like Black Eyed Peas, <laughs> Eminem no. when he was still like no. kind of on the c- crossover from the Magic no. Mushroom rapper period. That's still a, that's still a no. Uh, Always a no. Uh, fuck. Suicidal Tendencies. I think played that year. S tier good, but in those years, dude. You know, seven seconds. Scarhead. Suicidal Tendencies. Well, those three are worth it, but that's you gotta worth get it. The rest and Ice T. And and Pennywise again. Pennywise, play, Pennywise <laughs> played a lot of times. That I, I'm just laughing in my head. I cannot re- swear. I cannot remember Pennywise's set from the year I saw. Like I straight up, it's not in my memory. I which like, is bizarre. I still remember that No Effect set from '97 or whatever at most part, but I cannot remember Pennywise. I remember I the Pennywise set from like an, as an out of body experience because I was like watching myself. <laughs> Sing bro him by myself on stage. Like, there was obviously other people there, but, like, yeah. I didn't know them. I was, like, I think we were rotating who had the backstage pass with me and some friends. <laughs> and so I had at that point. I was on – and you had stage access for Pennywise. And so I'm wearing a knapsack. I'm walking around the stage singing bro him. And it's, okay. like, Word. one of the harshest memories I have as an out-of-body <laughs> experience. <laughs> <laughs> we've never done this before and since we're on such a funny topic as far as this uh last week we got so much down by law why not go into pennywise um what is your favorite pennywise dude pennywise there is some unbelievable i've actually like a pretty sick early pennywise seven inch collection okay i mean i never really got into the seven inches because when i got into pennywise i was just getting into the lps yeah um but Let's just go LPs. Yeah. What like, are your So if I'm like if I picture hearing Unknown Road and About yeah. Time, I yeah. don't think I can picture it without uh, like doing so through a haze of of slamming a Mickey of of vodka. <laughs> Cuz <'Cause laughs> okay, that's I really do. like that was that year like 93 and, until 95 when I was like in like okay, I'm like 13 or 15 pre straight edge, and that was the vibe. That was okay, definitely my gotcha. vibe. Gotcha. And then at full circle, I was into two, um, and I especially love the like update of Bro him on yeah. that song, uh, yeah, on that record, I should say. Um, I don't know, like, but then like I was self titled was obviously before my time, yeah. But Same. that song Pennywise is is hard as fuck. Yeah. Well, it's hard. I think, like, yeah, the self-titled is a great record. Um, but for me, it's Unknown Road. But, yeah, it's funny because I, ha- I wasn't uh, – didn't have that same whatever. I don't have that same association with it, <laughs> those records as you do. But, um, 
Yeah, Unknown Road. I, I, you know, this almost makes me want to listen to it again, to be honest. Yeah, I know. I got, I, I, I got same old story now stuck in my head, super hard. I gotta get this seven inch of. I don't have same old story. I guess I just have like a bunch of different versions of the first two singles. Kind of want this LP. I'm not gonna lie. Anyway, uh, but yeah. So there's our Pennywise content for the week. There you go, I folks. Don't want to be same old. Same old. God damn, that been. That's sick. Um. <laughs> okay, so I, how did I, I steered us off the warp tour thing? What we brought this up because you were saying the lineup of the newest. Oh yeah, final let's go one. through the lineup of the newest warp tour. Sorry, you got me now going through uh, pictures of Pennywise records on Discogs. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> uh, so they've now this is the last warp tour. So they brought back. It's kind of like a greatest hits from okay. uh, from all eras, apparently. All um, right. Uh, so three hundred three. Have you ever met those dudes when you were on tour? 303? Yeah. No. They were like a, a band that was doing the Warp Tour, I think, at the same time. 303. I didn't really do the Warp Tour, thank goodness. I, that was uh, another person. Wade's brother was uh, oh, sacrificed yeah. at the altar of, of the Warp Tour. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we like, that day that I worked with you there for yeah. Lex on Fire, um, not a fun well, yeah, experience. Well, yeah. To preface, yeah, for those people who don't know exactly, it's uh, it's a very grueling working experience. It yeah. might be, uh, you know, very pleasant as a goer. Uh, Is it though? Well, to me, it's not. But to <laughs> you know, like if if you're listening to, if you're listening to this footnotes podcast, I think you already understand that I'm not into that. But <laughs> um, yeah, as a wor- working experience, it's it's very grueling. So that's what I mean to say when I say sacrificed at the altar of. Um, because it's you basically drive all night, wake up, you know, start again. It's in the heat. It's terrible. There's a million people and a million bands and a million stages and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's as a working person, it, it, like at that event, it's pretty rough. But um, I'm looking at the lineup here. Okay, let's go through it. I okay. don't know. Three. Most- uh, one of those dudes married a friend of mine. Also, super nice people. Every time I met him. Do not know much about asking Alexandra, though we were on a tour with him one time in Australia. Um, but I don't think we ever talked or hung out. Uh, not 100% familiar with a lot of these bands, to be honest. Frank no, Turner, former guest of the show. Yeah. One of my favorite guests. Uh, yeah. Bowling for still, Soup has a fat still, guy in the band. Super yeah. down for it. You need to stop, though, for a minute because I need to interject here. Frank Turner still wrong about the Ramones. Continue. Go yeah, on. still definitely wrong about the Ramones. That's fucking crazy. I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> if you see Frank Turner heckling with the Ramones songs, because I, yeah, straight up, honestly, say whatever. Say for me, if you don't want to take this game, I'll take it. You run into <laughs> Frank Turner, say, "Yo, Chris from Footnote says you're wrong on Ramones." Stop, <laughs> stop. You can even say stop. Go yeah. on. Yeah, but but uh, still one of the best guests, and that's because also we love when people argue. Yeah, that's um, fine. Uh, Bowling for Soup down for a band with a fat guy in it from Denton, Texas. I wonder if they're friends with Zach Blair. <laughs> okay. I don't know were... this bad, but okay. <laughs> well, you remember Zach? You know Zach? Oh no, he's a Zach. I mean, I don't know Bowling for Soup. I don't know. What that is. This is a big hit. They had a hit, dude. I don't know. Like, there's. I could probably say honestly, no, maybe six or seven of these bands. Well, there's for... a real big fish, you know. Well, yeah, I know of. Yes, had a song in basketball. <laughs> I did not know that, but that doesn't surprise me. Go on, yeah. Um, Pennywise. 
Of course. Uh, Where like, are you looking? I'm looking. I must not be looking. Go at the to the right artist way. page. The artist page on the warp tour. Because I'm looking at like this big whatever the poster, and it's like, it's got like I don't know all the main groups, which is funny that I don't know ninety percent of them. But uh, so I'm on the wrong page. I don't see Pennywise on I'm this like, poster. How could Vans not have how let me have a turn on a punk stage? <laughs> you know, are you, I hope. Are you going to interview for any of this? Do you know? I don't know. There's a bunch. Obviously, Fletcher from Pennywise is one of the top <laughs> interviews I could ever want for this show. Yeah, you know, like one of like someone that I've interviewed three times in my life for different things as a younger <laughs> person. Yeah, and hung out with as an adult a few times, and yeah. every time it's a fucking adventure. And a half. Nice. So, yeah, he's like definitely one of the people I would love to have on the show. I'd love to have someone from Sum 41 who's playing, you know? Yeah, again, aware of who they are. Don't know any of the music. but uh, Sum 41? Oh, Sum 41. So, well, I don't. Yeah, not really. I was thinking of Simple Plan because on the poster it's side by side. You, um, know, so you gotta know, like, you know, Sum no, 41. No, I don't know these songs. I don't they know these bands. Hits, dude. I know they had hits, but I don't pay attention to these hits. Is what I'm trying to tell you. I don't want to waste my time. Be another okay, that sounds familiar. That's them. Okay. Don't want to fall in line. Okay, like you know, I'm I, not saying. Actually, I want no, to be an no, astronaut I, on the uh, Punk No Die comp that also featured uh, Mike and my old bands and Josh Zucker's old bands. Uh, <laughs> is a pretty sick comp, and their song "I Want to Be an Astronaut" was pretty killer on that comp. <laughs> Yeah, sure. What I'm trying to say is, I don't know. Like, I might know that tune and not know who sings it. Is what I mean. I want to be an astronaut. Not that one. I mean the other one you sang, the radio hit. Um, You definitely remember. They had rap parts in it too. Again, yeah. I I don't know. Go on. on. They're on. They're on some future shit. That right. So what is? I'm not even on the Warp Tour thing. I'm looking at a link from. Anyway, go to go to VansWarpTour.com. And then you go to the okay. artist page, and that's where it's got all these, uh, all these un- under oath. That's a band you know, right? I know of them. Yeah, we toured with them, toured and with them. Uh, not at Warp Tour. I guess they were probably on Warp Tour. Yeah, they were huge. They were involved in the massive Warp Tour Civil War, which was documented <laughs> yes. on the Warp Tour reality TV show that was on Fuse, which is one of my all-time favorite TV shows. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've never watched it. I've it always been awesome. curious, though. It was so good, dude. It was so good. Uh, then there's uh, another. St- oh, there's so many stages. Simple Plan is playing, Chris. Yeah, would love to have a and... member of Simple Plan on to talk about Reset. Well, go. You go. Yeah, I'm sure you could get one. Um, yeah, maybe. So, <laughs> Twisted is playing too. Yeah, I knew that would come up. Yeah, uh, do you think they would? Uh, <laughs> I'm just, I'm, cu- I'm waiting for you to actually get one of these interviews with like a, a psychopathic alumni. Well, I do have some connections to psychopathic records. Like I know you do. Yeah, you know, like I, I could, uh, I could call on some. Uh, I've got a future guest who's uh, affiliated. So, you know, I'm, I'm getting to the bottom of. Was ringworm an influence on insane clown <laughs> putting on the makeup? Yeah, debate. Um, there's also there's like actually there's a bunch of like uh, uh, turn it a punk alumni on this. Uh, Silverstein's playing. Yeah, uh, there's also someone else I saw. Oh, Lesson Jake. 
Yeah, which you've interviewed Vinny. someone from that group, right? Yeah, that yeah. was a good interview, actually. It was awesome. Uh, I love that. Love getting a chance to talk to him. Yeah. Um, and Harm's I, Way, one of the members of the band is wearing a knife fight shirt, Chris. I know. I was going to say that's the only thing on this page that has made me happy at this point that I'm looking at, to be honest. Harm's Way is a sick <laughs> but, band. There's a. Yeah, like I could, I could definitely. There's a lot of people I'd like to interview on this thing. There's a whole stage I don't know. Well, hopefully they will in, they will invite you to do that. That would be cool. I wish Full Sail stage also had NXT WWE's NXT because that also takes place at Full Sail, but <laughs> apparently not on the stage. Heaven knows, heaven knows, wrestling comes into this. Of are course, there, are there more bands? It doesn't seem like this is like a full. No, but I don't know. I, there, one page had a ton. I, this might not be. I don't know. Anyway. Either way, Warp right. Tour, R.I.P., R.I.P. slash not I.P. Many, many, many a fun memory of being at the Warp Tour, uh, getting to see incredibly interesting hangouts like Seven Seconds, hanging out with Lord Ezak and Toby <laughs> from H2O and Eminem. You know, it was a it was a wild Warp Tour. That's some wild Warp Tour memories. <laughs> I can imagine, yeah. You know, saw some, saw some great things. I went to that for a lot of years. Yeah, I can tell. I went to two and worked one <laughs> ten years later or whatever, and I have very little recollection of most of it. Uh, um, Mods and Rockers had tables there. The show was handy. Really? Yeah, we used to have a table and sign people up for the mailing list. Nice. Well, smart. Dude, I was. it was, you know, that for Mods and Rockers, that was a... It was like a big day of the year. That was like the Mods and Rockers Christmas party. <laughs> see all the favorite games. <laughs> nice. All right, let's get into these letters. Okay, speaking of Mods and Rockers and radio, the first message we have is from John Osborne or John O. I don't know. Do you want to? You going to edit that? Do we? Do we say full names? Yeah, sure. Um, okay. Anyway, it's a great email. Um, <laughs> he's reaching out to say he enjoys the episode. It was first time listening. He was. Um, uh, peaked to listen from your association with Fucked Up, of course. Um, this episode in question, you talk about Brave New Waves. This is last week's. Uh, which was the reason I later got into radio along with C-H-R-Y, C-K-L-N, and C-I-U-T. But I digress because Damien talked about C-F-N-Y, which of course is a Toronto-based radio station, uh, for those outside listening. And uh, coming to see bands at Bloor and Bathurst Studios, which is where I started... My former career in radio as, for lack of a better word, greeter and crowd control. Um, he was saying he loved that era of kids, that kids could be exposed to so many awesome bands. And he also got to meet some great people like 14-year-old Chris Slorach. Who, have you interviewed Chris yet? I yeah, can't Chris remember. has been on the show. Okay, I thought you had, but I couldn't. I, there's been so many now. Um, of Mets, of course, for listeners who may not know. Chris has been and, on the show uh, twice. And of course, uh, Nick Flanagan, also a previous guest. Yep. From which I love that he cites Nick and then cites specifically Teed Crud Combo, <laughs> not any of the other uh, acts. But yeah, nonetheless, Teed Crud Combo, of course, Brutal Nights, etc. Um, and he mentioned Stacy Case and so many well, more. That's like people bringing up, you know, the Beatles when they talk about Paul McCartney, even though he was in Wings. You know, people are always <laughs> yes. just going to refer to the Beatles. Yes, true. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I mean, that this makes sense for footnotes to reference Nick and talk about Teen Krug Combo. Yeah. Uh, for the rest of the world, it's, it seems like the most bizarre association, I guess, to a lot of people. But anyway, um, 
he mentions how uh, he went on to produce a show called Indie Hour with his buddy Dave Bookman uh, from late 93 to 2001, and he wishes Fucked Up were a band, and he would have loved to play you on the show, he says. Oh, that would be awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we, were, we, we, yeah. we played CFMY. We got to play it, but it was when it was on the Eaton, it was at the Eaton Center. And you we, think you're referencing the right person? Like, I know Josh, but I didn't no, know. No, not Josh Perotti. That's, uh, yeah, he does. Josh. Early on into fucked up, but the indie hour was amazing. I used to listen to the indie hour all the time, like yeah. Um, and that that was as brought up on that uh, when we on that episode we whenever we talked about it, like going to those things at CFMY, going to those in store performances or in studio, I should say performances, and getting to meet these artists was like pivotal in my development in music. Nice, yeah. I didn't go to anything like that, but. Uh... Even being a bit away, I was still able to get some of these stations. Well, of course, CFNY, but I even was able to get some of these university college stations that were, you know, had great shows, like you're mentioning, Mods and Rockers, or heavily influential. Yeah. It's crazy when you think about CFNY. Like, it, it changed, of course. And, you know, I remember the, the when they famously had Metallica on with Strombo. And I think, was it Strombo? No, Kim Hughes actually was on with Metallica, actually. Sorry. For, I don't, yeah, I don't know. And yeah, that was I like, can't it felt like the end of an era. But, like, prior to that, like, where else would you, like, on, like, a mainstream fucking radio station, like, have Jim Carroll and go and be able to meet Jim Carroll? Or, you know, I met Garbage on their first record there. I met Pansy Division there. I met, like, so many cool musicians there yeah. over the years. Yeah, I feel like um, in the era of which we're speaking, CFNY, I think it's probably, I mean, certainly less notoriety, but... um it would be like our equivalent of K-Rock here. Yeah, yeah. And what I mean to say is like in the 90s K-Rock. So like not necessarily the Rodney uh, Bingenheimer K-Rock, but the the other end of K-Rock. You know, yeah. the ones still like whatever alternative music being in the in the popular um, landscape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's um, my thought on it anyway no i yeah. i 100 agree because it was a mainstream station but it was a mainstream station that played cool stuff like where else would you hear pan's division <laughs> you know like well true yeah you know like except for college radio and then ultimately i got into college radio and mods and rockers and that was uh you know that was a huge thing too like hearing all that stuff on the air ed fox yeah. and jeff cohen or jc sorry don't want to break kayfabe jc um, and, and like getting them, hearing them play and winning tickets from them to go to that Warp Tour where we were talking about earlier on where we got to see Pennywise and Rock from the Crypt and you don't remember seeing Pennywise but it was a transformative experience for myself. <laughs> I mean, I don't, it's not that I want to dismiss it. I'm just bummed I can't remember it because I did like them quite a bit. It was the drugs you were on, buddy. It definitely was not that. I it just have Warped no... It was Tour drugs. <laughs> it definitely was not, but yeah. Um... <laughs> regardless though uh good email from john uh do we want to go to the second radio related email since we're talking radio let's go to the second radio email all right here we go the topic subject rather pardon me from michael t is dj spermicide and it says first off really enjoy the podcast of course and then uh Meaning your podcast, Dame, not this one. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> might so this one. <laughs> he might, but I doubt it. Um, so I'm listening to the Chaka podcast, and he brings up Spermicide's radio show. And I figured I'd reach out to let you know that Marlene, quote, DJ Spermicide, Goldman, is still alive and well and DJing out here in the Bay Area. 
She also conducted and organized the infamous Born Against v. Sick of It All debate. Uh, and I last saw her about a month and change ago, first at a Dag Nasty and then my own photo show. First of all, at Dag Nasty, pardon me. Uh, it's funny, we met working at a shitty business-to-business travel magazine and realized we had punk in common on the way to a team-building exercise, the randomness of life. Anyway, he just mentions he's a fan and uh, he wanted to write. So, yeah, thanks for the message, Michael. Yeah, no, that's awesome. It's funny, too, because, you know, there's, like, someone that, obviously, if you were there at the time, uh, she is had a massive impact but like you know doesn't necessarily get the credit of like a john peel but that's from the sounds of it, what she kind of was for like new york hardcore like that how how many of us have a fucking bootleg tape of that sick of it all born against today yes yeah, so it's, and it's crazy he he mentions that i don't like it's <laughs> the fact that she was like uh, whatever conducted and organized that is wild i didn't know i still don't really know the background on how that came to be I always just thought it was a strange phenomenon. I'd, like in the internet era, I just was able to get it, whatever, I don't know, 10 so years ago or whatever, 15 years ago. Yeah. On like MP3 or whatever, but I'd never, obviously didn't hear it when it came out. I'm imagining it was a tape trading thing probably for years after it was aired. But uh, yeah, anyway, wild. It was tape traded, yeah, because I got mine as a, you know, someone passing me a bootleg tape of it. Like, you got to hear this shit. Yeah. And it was cool. It definitely blew my mind as a young person. And, uh, yeah. it's, it, you know, it's, it's, yeah. And then there's also like other sessions there and other, like, just the music she played and exposed bands, you know, demos to people and stuff like that. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's, that's the one thing I'd say about England is they're definitely really good about canonizing their own culture. Yeah. And then imposing it on the rest of the world. But, <laughs> but they certainly have. <laughs> They're like, you know, like we we know British music DJs before we know even, you know, necessarily Canadian ones. Yeah, true. Um, or American in this or case. Or American but, in this case. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. But yeah, so that's our radio email content. All right. We love good. we love old mediums and dead formats here. <laughs> yep, absolutely. All right. What is the other messages we got here? Um well, you've sent me a bunch here. I just got to go through them. I forwarded you a couple, I know. This one here. Um, oh, it's the alternative physical punk activities the subject is from All right. Eli. All right, one of my favorite okay. subjects here. Let's get ready. <laughs> the listener writes and says, Eli writes, I was just listening to the podcast and thought I would mention the massive DIY punk cycling community. But once I continued to listen, I realized Damien was referring to professional athletes. So <laughs> athletes that listen to punk as opposed to community of showerless squatters. <laughs> With that being said, I can't think of a single professional punk rock cyclist. They're all complete squares. Ooh, shots fired. Embarrassingly enough, I did Google, quote, punk rock athlete to hopefully contribute something, and the only thing that came up were wrestlers. Ta-da! <laughs> This is why Damien forwarded this email, clearly. Um, anyway, he says, thank you for creating a podcast that brings me so much joy and entertainment. Turn Out a Punk is the personification of everything I want from a podcast. Please don't ever stop. There you go, Dame. Well, thank you there. very much. A great think- email to get. Thank you so much for sending that. Um, yeah, like I, uh, the only reason I'll stop is because uh, – uh, well, there's a lot of reasons, but I'm going to try and nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I really enjoy, and this and this week in particular. Like, there's been, you know, obviously I love 
each and every week, but when I can link two things I love, uh, that's that's truly special for me. And that's you know what this week was, and you know next week too. There's a there's I I don't know. I feel like I've been on like a real fun streak of episodes, and I got I got like a bunch in the can coming up that I think are are befitting of the streak that we're currently on. Yes, for sure. Um, but that shout out to Tristan and shout out to Brian and shout out to, uh, Tristan Abraham, my brother, show producer. You can hit him on the Facebook page. If you want to use Facebook to follow this podcast or Brian Schwartz, who helps me manage me and stuff and really has reached out to a lot of these people. But, and also, you know, Chris, you, you keeping this thing going too, you know, <laughs> No, honestly, like this. Is I know, I appreciate we're it. Getting from strength to strength. Well, I appreciate that. I this is uh, I consider this the the boat. I just occasionally come for a shift and steer, and then you're doing it the rest of the time. So, I, I feel that you deserve the credit full on. But, well, yeah. no, I think we all. I think everyone in punk deserves the credit because we are <laughs> all in this together. Unity, except the dicks. <laughs> Well said, yeah. All right. Um, all right. So, uh, is there any more one emails? More. One more. One more. Oof. And this is gonna. This is your favorite one. This is why you sent this to me. So uh, there is no subject on this, but it is from – trying to find – Al. Um, says he's been listening for the past few years. There's been something that, he's, that you brought up, Damien, um, that his poor use of Google wasn't able to find any info on. He says you mentioned Satoshi – I mean it's – hopefully not butcher this kojima kojima kojima's brother played in a hardcore band could you please tell me what it is as a huge fan of japanese hardcore punk in general and pro wrestling the connection between the two is always excited excited the fuck out of me (laughs) quote unquote (laughs) uh from the little stuff that just to discovering um that you have a mate that loves gordon soli motherfuckers not just for the music. It's weird, affirming, and fantastic. And, uh, yeah. So, what is that band? It is, brother. It is weird, affirming, and fantastic. Um, that is, uh, Kojima's brother's band is, of course, Tetsu Arai. And Tetsu Arai is, uh, is probably a terrible pronunciation of it. It's, it's written in Japanese, and uh, they are... From what I've heard, like in, and this is something that comes up in wrestling and hardcore. There's almost like this constant conversation of who is the physically toughest, you know? And it's like this idea of like, yeah, but like, who's the scariest person in a band? Like, who's the one who's real, you know? And and, in wrestling, people talk about this. Like, who, who is the toughest wrestling of all time, wrestler of all time? And it's like, you hear Ming a lot. Ming comes up a lot. And, uh, people were, you know, there's like, there's certain guys that come up that people are afraid of. And from what I've heard in Japanese hardcore, it's the Kojima's brother, the lead singer of Tetsu Arai. In fact, recently, like a wrestler, uh, from Japan was like, uh, you know, like brought up, I was like, oh yeah, like, I like uh, Tetsu Arai. And they're like, oh, Kojima's brother. And I'm like, yeah. And then they're like, very scary, man. Very, (laughs) very tough. That's funny. Uh, Kojima even says in that uh, the the reason I found out about this was uh, a listener sent in years ago when I first started doing this podcast. Well, I think it was when we first started doing footnotes. Yeah, I, I vaguely recall something about this. Um, sent in like a New Japan like photo book piece where it was Kojima and his brother. And Kojima's like, my brother is tougher than me. 
<laughs> like, <laughs> nice. Uh, but yeah, there's like stories about him like shoot power bombing people on stage at shows, <laughs> like fans strangling them with a microphone cord. Uh, yeah, like he's no joke. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, but yeah, there's something about wrestling. What an amazing, amazing art form, Chris. That it keeps coming back to punk rock. We never, we never hear about this on this show. So no, it's a good never. thing we talked about. Yeah. But you know what? This is one week where we can actually avoid it because uh, wrestling does not come up once in this episode. <laughs> yeah, surprisingly. This episode is um, about comedy. Yes, true. I just like to say that that concludes the mailbag, and thank you for writing everyone who wrote in. Yes, and and how do they get in touch with it again, Chris? Turned out a punk footnotes at gmail dot com, and you can uh, throw uh, you know fighting words at me at Left for Damien on various forms of social media, and we can also work those into the show. Yes, well. uh, and or on the Facebook page that we mentioned before, and uh, I guess we should dive into today's episode, Chris. Yeah, sure thing. Start it off. Today on the show, we will be discussing the Michael Ian Black episode of Turned Out a Punk. I'm a huge fan of Michael Ian Black. I guess I first saw him in... I, guess, I would have seen The State, but we didn't have MTV up here, so it wasn't like that available to me. So it was mainly through Wet Hot American Summer that I first saw him, and then, of course, I became a fan of Stella... I had a friend, or I have a friend, Graham, who, you know, was super into it um, and, you know, got me into the state as well. And, yeah, just went from there. So when I've been a big fan of, written a lot of stuff he's written, read a lot of stuff he's written, and, uh, you know, watched him in a lot of things over the years. He's brought me uh, a lot of joy as as a funny person. Um, are you familiar with his work? Chris? Yes. Yeah, I agree. I have not, weirdly enough, I have not seen Stella still. Um but Wet Hot American Either Summer, version? none. Of, yeah, I don't. Oh. I've never seen that. I've seen them on a lot of things, but yeah, not yeah. that. Um, but weirdly enough, I don't. Well, obviously, I remember him in Wet Hot American Summer. Now, when I watched it, he didn't jump out any more than the other funny people in it to me per se. Mm-hmm. And it's not a. It's not a diss. It's just a great movie, a great ensemble cast. But oh, amazing. Uh, yeah. But the <clears throat> excuse me. I think the first thing. <clears throat> that really he jumped out at me in. Just looking through his thing now, see what comes to mind. But because uh, he's got a lot of like appearances on things. Oh, as the Burning Love host. Oh yeah, <laughs> Burning he was great love. as that. Amazing that thing. <clears throat> Which is a uh, what is it? The Bachelor. It's a There's rip a off. Bachelor of parody. Yeah. Spoof. yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, but um, yeah, I've just seen him on a ton of things. That's not even that long ago. So it must have been something before that. Um, anyway, regardless, great. He's great. Uh, presently on another period as well. Plays another great like bit part, not bit part, but very similar to Burning Love in that kind of focal but not a main main character. Mm-hmm. Um, he's great on the Jim Gaffigan show as well. Actually, those are the two recent things that I thought he was amazing in. But yeah, um, great, great actor, funny, funny guy. Um, so yeah, unlike uh, I saw the state much later, like you too, because I didn't see it live. <laughs> Excuse me, sadly. Um, but it's something that if it had aired here, I think I would have been right into. Yeah, no, I would have, you know, all, all this stuff, like, I've, as I say, I've seen him in a lot of different things over the years. And he's someone that, you know, I just think he's got that, that you know, wit, you know, and that I just kind of, you know, and it's, and it's super dry and he just plays these characters that, I don't know, make me laugh. So to find out 
that he was a punk rocker. <laughs> he made reference to it in his book. This is one of Tristan's suggestions. Tristan, uh, you know, took my list that I had from very early on. He's been slowly adding other people to it. And so Michael Ian Black has kind of made reference to it. And then, of course, when you Google Michael Ian Black punk, uh, eventually that tweet between that I have posted on social media and hopefully yeah. Tristan posted, I think he posted on the Facebook which was when Nate from Ensign was was battling cancer, uh, which he, which he, he he battled successfully. Uh, you know, Michael Ian Black retweeted a fundraiser for him, and you know it was made reference to in the tweet that you know he had played in a band with a member of Ensign, you know, called the Please. So these were just like the little fragments I had going into this interview, and then you know it just yielded tons of gold for me. You know? like this was yeah, like, well, yeah. Funny when he was in a band with Tim Shaw, like, oh, getting to talk to him about, you know, Husker Du and, and sick of it all, but then also like weird things like him not knowing who Youth of Today were. Yeah, that's um, that's still kind of interesting to me because the stuff that he mentions, it's you would think that that would have been one on the radar, but yeah, yeah. it's it's funny. I don't like. There's uh, although we have had numerous discussions. Uh, one in particular with with people that I can think of that also did not give them <laughs> like a lot of not a diss. It was just very, you know, that they weren't a, like a highlight. And yeah, I thought that was weird. So maybe we're starting to kind of see a different picture that that has been something in uh, whatever that that grew. The notoriety grew after the fact or something, however you want to say that. Yeah, you're right. Maybe it's like something that, I don't know, like took off outside of New York. Yeah, or something. It's just – It was big obviously there, but like, yeah, like really took off like in Europe and on the West Coast and, you know, everywhere else in the world. Apparently, yeah. But it's just – it's weird because for me that like Youth of Today are one of the main – you know what I mean? Like mm. for, as far as records, like I really enjoy those records still. And it's bizarre that when I hear someone who's – and to be fair, he's, he's referencing a lot of things that aren't you know, uh, necessarily like whatever you want to call like youth crew hardcore revival things. But still, like it's kind of – it just – they're one of those bands now. You know what I mean? Like of like the whatever, 10 bands that sort of everyone can cite – that's hardcore punk you know what i mean it's the youth of today are i would believe to be one of those ones mm-hmm. you know so it's just it's weird when you hear people not a diss it's fine but it's just it's strange that when people don't know it that's all yeah no it's 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 you know it's one of those ones where they're just like the signposts that we all know like fugazi youth of today minor threat black flag but you know that's that also is post canonization like that's post uh, you know, American hardcore, like what has been kind of established for people and maybe wasn't the lived histories that people had. Yeah, agreed. I think I think that's what I was trying to touch on. I don't know how accurate even that is, but um, but it is bizarre that that is one that I have heard a similar um, whatever uh, lack of acknowledgement, if you will. Mm-hmm. So I guess like for tackling this ep- issue or <laughs> episode – uh, we should probably just go to what has been our vehicle for uh, jumping into these as of late, which is from our regular contributor uh, and I guess uh, you know host, host and and you know family member David up. 
yeah. and David Up has sent in some notes. Yeah, this he's got great episode. ones. And so we'll use these, I guess, to jump off and then we'll go from there. Chris? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Okay. So which one do you want us to begin or do you want me to? What, what uh, do we do? You can take the first one because I've been blathering way too much. Okay. So another um, – so this is kind of like a, a not really um, – it's in relation to uh, Michael mentioning in the interview that when he first heard Candy Apple Grey, which he bought because of a review from Rolling Stone mm-hmm. – that at first he didn't like it again that the the funny bit of the interview when he thought it was like they sold him the bum tape because it's only static at first um but also that he didn't enjoy it to the point where he showed it to other people (laughs) about how much he didn't enjoy it like this is not good and then but he basically ended up kept listening to it listening to it until it became something that he enjoyed and so dave makes a point here that um this might be like a precious old guy point, I suppose, but um, another vote toward kids playing things over and over to justify spending your money. Mm-hmm. And he says, in an era of downloading, will people still do this? And so I just thought that was an interesting perspective. I thought it was really well stated. David up. Congrats, as usual. Um, but yeah, I, I'm with that. I I'm, I was trying when I read that and even in the interview when I heard, when I listened to that point – I was trying to think of records that didn't catch me right away to the point of listening to them, and then it then it's then it clicking. But I'm tr- I don't none jump out at me right in this moment. But I'm trying to think. I'm still trying to scour. Do you have any that you can think of that you were not keen on? I you know we're integrity. The very first time I heard integrity, I was like, oh, I don't know what this is, and uh, which is funny now because they're one of my all time favorite hardcore bands. Um. God, I'm trying to think of some other ones. There's definitely lots, like like you know, sludgy stuff, power violency stuff, anything more extreme than I'm used to. Normally, it takes a couple listens before I can understand it. The Turnstile record I just talked about off the top of the show. <laughs> yeah, I, but I think though that's a funny point in in general. Though the idea of like you're trying to justify it, so you just you know you're going to listen to it over and over, and eventually it catches. I I wonder if we you know in this era of the way content is consumed, and sort of the uh, I don't know the temporary um, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. It doesn't seem to have a lasting a lot of content to people, and so therefore does it does it not get acknowledged fully enough to to really kind of comprehend or really acknowledge properly. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, you know, again, is a is a very sort of lofty point to mention on this show. But um, I don't know. I'm just kind of with that. I wish I could really think of something that even I outright didn't like and then eventually clicked for me. I'm trying to think of punk records like I didn't understand right away. Um, I don't think the Germs, like I first got the Germs discography and a lot of it didn't jump out. Like I'd heard a few songs and the ones like if it didn't sound like what we do is secret, I was kind of like, yeah, didn't didn't click with me right away. Now I love it, but yeah, like I'm trying to think of like more challenging, weird stuff that would have been difficult to understand. Um, Throbbing gristle for me a little bit. Yeah, something like that. that I always kind of liked weird stuff, so that was never an issue. I'm trying to think of like a rock based groups though that really didn't click but I, I eventually grew to love I can't think of anything offhand. The Misfits for you. Yeah also well it's still I, I struggle I really don't like Earth AD to this day and it's funny because I've expressed that opinion to a bunch of people and they're just blown away 
Um, that's like, but it's weird. Like weakest record in my opinion. I feel like like it, but I feel like I convince people though. Like I'm not going to do it on this show, but like when I have a discussion with people about that record, they they tend (laughs) they tend to agree with my why I don't like it. Yeah. Um, Now other misfits, it's undeniably good, but uh, yeah, they've always been a band I've struggled with to a degree. Um, I guess late black flag is fair. Yeah. I would I would even be like like my war era black flag for me. Yeah, I I don't think I had anything with that, but yeah, I think late era for sure. Um, side two it took me a while to get to side two. <laughs> I suppose even maybe I don't know if I'd say I didn't like it, but it definitely took me a bit to kind of warm up to something like Crass at first. Yeah. Um, based on the way it's sort of presented, not like the the visually it looks great, but the. Like the recordings are pretty difficult to like get past at first. Yeah, real talk it took me like till like a year ago to get into Youth of Today. Youth of Today? No, it didn't. Come yeah. on. Yeah. No, I never liked them. Really? Yeah. Like it's I, like, I, it wasn't until I saw them live uh, at at uh, SOS in Austin when I was doing the live podcast out there that I was like, oh shit, I get this now. This band's fucking incredible. <laughs> they're a great band yeah i never had that I, I did as far as their recordings break down the walls didn't speak to me as much as some other ones but yeah i definitely if youth of today is definitely my in my bag yeah like will. i had records but to me they were always like i would rate them below a lot of the other bands in that kind of like even bands that came after them yeah i get what you mean i don't i'm not with you but i get what you mean yeah um, but now they're still, I, still I a great band live too. That's the scary thing. They're they're actually still really good live. Last I saw them, anyway. Yeah, yeah, they're uh, they're they were unbelievable when I saw them. They were the best band I ever saw live. Yep. So there's that. There's the first point. You got one you want to roll on? Um. Yeah. Let's uh, let's move on to uh, uh, let's move on to this Jane's Addiction killing metal. Ah, this is the new big theory on the show. Yeah, it's an interesting theory. Like I would say that that I would actually also, but you know, the, that record and the Guns N' Roses record are two records that kind of helped kind of kill glam. Uh, well, this this is the big for me. This is the big bread and butter point for this week because I thought that was really even when you mentioned that you think he stumbled onto a great um, whatever. Mm-hmm unknown or whatever undiscovered uh, perspective but yeah well we've previously discussed in the show amongst us and the daves where we stand on the jane's addiction thing where i believe both daves are opposed i know one is for sure um though yeah one is definitely very much opposed one is yeah one is a fanatic yeah so i i really like jane's of that era original era jane's addiction um i the idea of them killing metal, I do think the timelines are very interesting in that normally when people speak of this kind of idea of like metal, quote unquote metal, hair metal, whatever, being what it was, then you did have, you know, the overwhelming one is always Nirvana that's mentioned because then grunge is ushered in and everything changes. But yeah, I, I kind of, I vibe with the idea that Jane's Addiction is definitely another one of those weird, um, Whatever, that can take a bit of credit as well. Mm-hmm. Although I do feel that they were more rooted in something that was almost immediately adjacent, although as is Guns N' Roses or mm-hmm. directly. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, I think whereas something like you know Motley Crue was not Motley Crue was like say like adopting that as well in those years. Guns N' Roses, weirdly enough, for me, I, I fully agree with Ian Black or Michael Ian Black on on the idea of like Guns N' Roses just seemed to throw down a gauntlet, and it was just way better. Mm-hmm. And it was also like with the ballad on or whatever two ballads. I know there's definitely one ballad on that first record, but I don't know if there's two. But either way, it well, for me, uh, what uh, Sweet Child of Mine. I don't know what's what. That's know. on the first one, but I can't remember if. Well, like, uh, what's the, the first one? Like, do you? Well, the first one, I would say. Sorry, for me, like as a, a person who whatever experienced them, for me, it's appetite. Yeah, same but yeah, but like, like there's the other. There's like, of course, like, yeah, like a suicide. Yeah, the sketchiest, <laughs> like the 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 highest selling, like straight up white power lyric ever. That one, or oh, you're talking? That's actually lies, though. You're speaking. Yeah, of, but that's that... all, isn't it from Live Like a Suicide? Live Like a Suicide. Yeah, but I think it's there's a weird. Let's look yeah, it up on go, the resource. Go. This is like two who are Guns N' Roses fans are screaming. Anyway, so what we're trying, what we're gonna, I guess, out of the gate. You know, I, you... Know, the, I know the guy that leaked Chinese Democracy. By the way, <laughs> that seems like a weird humble brag. <laughs> it's, a, it's kind of a humble brag, but it's through wrestling. So there, Chris, once okay. again, wrestling. It's okay. So I always wondered things. about this, and it, yeah, it is. Uh, let me just see here. Uh, da, 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 no, no yes, you're thinking. There. You're thinking of lies. It's on lies. Although, um, wow, this is an expensive record. Oh no, that's but like I, a really. That's like a one of those top. Like, yeah, I really want this record though. Um, but yeah, dude, try and find one on red. Well, yeah, I'm not worried about color, but. Um, you are correct, though, because the vinyl version of um, what is it? Uh, Lies has that uh, "Live Like a Suicide" on the back, I yeah. believe. Yeah, on the back side. So it's like this weird amalgamation of both, and it has whatever like patience and all that stuff on it too. Yeah. And of course, the the ever so controversial one in a million. Um, but yeah, the uh, still a great record. But um, Appetite, though, when it came out, because Lies is. Well, actually, wow, Lies only comes out a year later. See, in my mind, <laughs> like Appetite was such like a huge record that Lies felt like years later. You know what I mean? And to look at it in timeline, it's a one year after. Yeah. But um, but yeah, Appetite, like big records for me in those years, that was one. If I had to, like if I'm being honest, I would say like, I don't know. For me, it's like Appetite for Destruction, when I think back on it and how I remember hearing it for the first time and sort of the the quote-unquote like impact I felt it had on culture at that time, that for me is like the never mind the Bullocks for me as a kid yeah. here. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's how I, I view it. Never mind too a couple years later. No, of course. And Nevermind gets that same acclaim too and it sort of shifted too. But for me, it's there's – Nevermind doesn't quite have the um I love Nevermind. It is a great record and whatever, but the the Guns N' Roses, I don't know, the if it's the attitude or whatever it is on it is just so perfectly lines up with that kind of I don't know, the, that new version of that. Now, people will probably be not having that opinion, but regardless. Um I do think it's interesting to throw Jane's in there too though because I think people that were up on this music, although as Dave Martin would not agree. <laughs> um, I don't know, because he mentions, what, was it Nothing Shocking, right? It came yeah. out the same year, I believe he says. Yeah. 
Great record. I think, you know, yeah, if I'm looking, I think the one that follows that, which came out in 91, um, Ritual de la Habitual, is, was a bigger impact. But, um, yeah, I think they're both, you know, I, I but I also think it's just like th- those were end times for that, you know, whatever subgenre, that hair metal thing. Like it was just coming to an end. You know what I mean? But I think these things helped kill it for sure. Yeah, I think these things were like, these were almost like the the end of the era, like the the greatest, you know, like there's a record that comes out that kind of like, you know, is the culmination of an era and, and just sort of like also rules everything before it kind of obsolete. Yes. Like, you know, like, and this is a controversial record and, uh, you know, it cer- certainly is a record that you know, a lot of people rate super highly, but I would say that shape of punk to come did it for a certain type of, of punk, you know? And, and also my, the aforementioned Dillinger four and propaganda did it for a certain type of punk too. You know? Yeah. I think th- those were not as large on culture, but yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like I, no, I, and, I and, uh, smaller impacts, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But still like, it's just those. No, I think change, I think James and refused, you could argue would be similarly impactful, but I yeah. think I think Guns N' Roses obviously were enormous. But yeah, like um, Hatebreed, Hatebreed also like that record coming out kind of yeah. like it was like okay, well this is where the bar is now. Yeah, I, we've discussed even this before the <coughs> specific records that sort of were the sea changes or whatever. But yeah, um, I think the Guns N' Roses angle is particularly interesting in the sense that Duff McKagan's in the group, which of course. Yeah. He brings in the farts and all that stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I just think it's cool that there's a few other records that can now be, you know, thrown about that people don't just say, you know, oh, grunge came, it killed this. It's like, yeah, there was a few other ones that really. I think the Guns N' Roses one is also interesting because they looked like uh, they didn't quite look as lame as a lot of the hair metal groups, but they did look that way. Mm-hmm. And yet they kind of weren't. I don't know if if that's appropriate to say. At least that was my view. They they seemed like a genuine hard band. <laughs> it yeah. didn't seem like they were, you know, your Cinderellas or your whatever the hell other your poisons. They had or, an edge. Uh, yeah, I mean, to be fair, Motley Crue had a big edge, <laughs> but uh, arguably bigger than Guns N' Roses. But nonetheless, um, Guns N' Roses, at least sound wise, vibe wise, to me was just very like no nonsense and like real deal whatever yeah, it was punker too like you know yeah exactly exactly so yeah i just like that whole that whole uh whatever that whole tangent mm-hmm. and now looking at the resource here i'm kind of bummed i don't have this original live like a suicide on uzi records uzi suicide pardon me dude it goes also that first that that first copy listed there is is like a nothing copy i know like it goes for tons of fucking money dude That's i want crazy. so bad such a cool looking record too. Like that cover is sick. Yeah. I used to, I used to have when I was a kid. Um, I used to have a really like uh, it was a, clearly a bootleg like coach's jacket, mm-hmm. like a satin coach's jacket that I got at a carnival, like like our our whatever regional exhibition they call here. Yeah. And uh, it was like in the prime era of like Guns N' Roses, and I remember I don't know what it was. I like I don't know if I won it or I just bought it at a bad bootleg kiosk but it was like the cover of that <laughs> and it's like on the back of it and i do not have it anymore it would have been my most prized i would wear that jacket now 
but uh, I lost it some years ago, uh, and uh, I've always wanted another. My so brother they, had like a sick Appetite for Destruction trucker's hat with like an Appetite nice. cross patch on the front. Yeah. Being that this is footnotes too, can we just discuss for a moment how unbelievably amazing the original cover art for Appetite for Destruction, the band cover art, yeah, by what's his face, uh, Robert Williams. Robert Williams. There we go. I always forget his name. Um, and uh, yeah, amazing. And not the cover I was familiar with at first as a as a kid, no, because I got the different whatever like the cross version, but the inside had that. Um, but yeah, incredible cover too. It's a it's a it's a really intense cover. Yeah. Let's maybe put the cross on the cover instead. But just the idea though that they had, you know, I don't know who petitioned him to do a cover or to use art of his. Yeah, but I wonder actually. That's kind of wild. That's you know what wild I mean? like, actually. Because it's about. super cool. Well yeah, like, he was a big artist too at that point. Yeah. So just that the vibe of that record, honestly, you know, ballad and all, because like Sweet Child of Mine, you know, by all accounts should be the lamest thing ever, but it's somehow I'm okay with it's it. It's good, yeah. And the rest of the record is deadly. Like Welcome to the Jungle is so good. It's so easy. Deadly. It's a hard like, song. Rocket Queen, major hard, closer of the record too. Yeah. I love that they have side G and side R, super hard. Anyway. Great record. I gotta yeah, I gotta go back and listen to this record again. Um, yeah, I don't own a copy on vinyl, sadly. I don't own a copy on vinyl because I've I used to see them like expensive, and I just like ah, I'm okay. Yeah, like I would, I, you know what? Like they're they're a band though that I could kind of like if I'm gonna plop down five hundred dollars for a record, it probably wouldn't be on a Guns N' Roses live like a suicide. Exactly true. That's a good point. I'd like to think that one day I will be wealthy enough to do that, but yes. Yeah, just like, oh, I feel like owning this record on vinyl in the most expensive format it's available in. <laughs> then I will, anyway, yeah. Um, but until that time, I will waste my money on Japanese records instead. And, yeah. You know, stuff that I really can't afford as well. Um, <laughs> uh, I guess uh, your point next. All right. Let's see what else the Dave's had here um let me see you kind of you grabbed the big one so trying to find the other ones blues traveler (laughs) yes he does bring up blues traveler and the spin doctors of course in the interview and then dave mentioned this as well that was the best i was like i was like oh what band are they going to say they hung around in because i'm like doing the math i'm like Oh, it could have been John Spencer Blues Explosion. Like, <laughs> could have been Pavement. Could have been like, you know, I'm like, oh, there's like, even though like Space Hog, I'm like, oh, there's a lot of interesting stuff happening in New York around that time. It's like, yo, that was not what I expected. <laughs> no, I think that's one of those uh, those blind alleys, as they say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's very funny to think that anything related to either of those groups was that there was any kind of a cool. Scene around it, in my view, yeah. Uh, and I'm not saying that to to throw shade at all. Like it's fine in hindsight. I don't. I wasn't there. But um, th- how I know of those groups from their whatever commercial notoriety is just like super. You know, I don't know, corny. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> and, I would uh, concur. Particularly the Spin Doctors too, because I believe that Spin Doctors, whatever that main single was, whatever the hell it's called. Um, has been used in a lot of like funny um 
like to to symbolize like a lameness of the era. It's been thrown into like a lot of funny little comedy bits that I've seen mm-hmm. over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but Dave does mention David up rather uh, that the Spin Doctors were in fact from New Jersey. So there you have it, <laughs> which I didn't know. Yeah, I did not know either. There's uh, well, you know. Is that something you want to claim or is that something you get kind of saddled with? <laughs> the real question, Dave, is were the Spin Doctors Shore style or not? That's what I want to know. Two princes can't be wrong. <laughs> nope. Uh, they oh, also I... were connected to the Moldy Peaches early on, too. Spin Doctors were? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Like that dude that played with strange. them early on. Wow. See, that that again is something cool, but I'm just amazed. Like, but yeah, I really like the multi peaches, so that's exciting to hear. But wow, I would have not thought that. But again, I didn't place these as New York groups either, so who knows? Blues Travel, I don't really have any real uh, knowledge of apart from just they're like a kind of like whatever mainstream blues band or whatever. But um, one time I was in, when I broke vegetarian, like when I sold out, (laughs) I was in Florida. And yeah. we went to this uh, the Palm Steakhouse. Uh, I was on like doing this like intern thing for a rock photography thing, and All right. uh, they took us to the Palm Steakhouse, and I was just like ordering the baked potato and the thing, and I'm just like, ah, fuck it. So I ordered a steak, and they were like, the last person to order the steak that big was John Popper from Blues Traveler. <laughs> <laughs> he had played okay. the night before, so it wasn't like no one had ordered the steak in years or anything like that. Like it was John Candy and the Great Outdoors <laughs> or anything, but it was a pretty big steak. That's funny. That's how I sold out. Blues so you Traveler were psyched style. and they said that, and you were like, yes. <laughs> I, was, I sold out Blues Traveler style. Nice. I was like, well, pass hey. the harmonica. I think I'm John Popper. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yep. But uh, I don't really have any more to talk on Blues Traveler. No, that's the extent of my Blues Traveler stories, too. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, I guess, like, uh, I wanted to get into this Tim Shaw thing. Okay. Because to me, that's like, when he said that, that was just like the coolest to find that out. Cause Tim Shaw is someone who, you know, I, Ensign was a band that was huge for me, huge for me getting into, you know, hardcore and, and being like a hardcore kid. Like, you know, they were one of the first bands that I kind of like was like, a, was part of this sort of youth crew revival. I was associated them with the youth crew revival. Um, and it must be from that growing stronger comp. Yeah, again, weirdly enough, not a band I ever got into. But yeah, the um Really? Yeah, straight you up. Like on any of those uh that that like did you see them when they played Toronto with like AFI nope. and Good Riddance or ne- any of those things? Never of? seen them, no. I I didn't uh they were like I had I know what you're saying. I just there've never been a band that I've gotten into, weirdly enough. Wow. Like I've aware of their things, like, you know, in sort of passing. Mm-hmm. Um, but not ever any records that I really dwelled on. Um, I did not know they had four LPs. Wow! Yeah, dude, uh, they signed a Nitro. They got they had like a they made a they had a run. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, but they certainly like that first self titled EP on Indecision Records uh, is is one of my favorites to this day uh, from that time period. And like, it's crazy for that compilation. Like when when that uh, Growing Stronger compilation came out. That was like, okay, this is it. This is the Rosetta Stone. Like, these are the bands. 
<laughs> These are the rules. I'm just I don't have that comp either. I'm just looking it up now. I do vaguely remember it. I can see it in my in my like in my memory. I'm just trying to pull it up on the resource here. Oh, as we as we do. It's a great comp. Um, where is it? It's like, like you have to go to the compilations tab. <laughs> I love how good you are using discogs. It's so good. Dude, I'm so great. bad apparently. Oh yeah, there we go. Yeah. Which has like is that them on the cover, is it not? Yeah. Yeah. yeah on the um cover. but yeah. What do we got? Yeah, right on the parade, Tari, yeah, floor punch things. Yeah, that's a good comp. But yeah, for me it's like I'm more of a, a floor punch person. Yeah, no, like I and you know, like them in Ten Yard Fight I Ten Yard Fight's not on that comp, but they were Yeah, not, it feels like they should have been. They should have been on that comp. They were on that other comp. There was another one, right? Well, they, I remember they had. Was it just a split with Fast Break, or was there another weird comp with both of them on it? There's a Fast Break Ten Yard Fight split. Okay, I feel there, like there was another comp. Yeah, but man, I want a growing comp, growing stronger comp on red number. <laughs> <laughs> How much does that go for? Let me just see here. Uh, it's never expensive, dude. Oh, never. Yeah, a lot never. of people want it though. Never been sold. Yeah, it was a classic. It's got a floor punch poster too. Nice. Um, yeah, that's a a rare a rare comp. I think I have an ad for this comp in one of the older zines. Might even be in the Victory magazine. It probably was in the Victory magazine. Yeah, dude. Even like like even the uh, three three hundred fifty numbered black vinyl never been sold on Discogs. That is bizarre because this this to me it would seem to be one that would be well I don't think you're correct there maybe that the numbered but the generic copies have been sold they're not the very generic expensive. copies I'm talking about the rare the rare ones gotcha okay well that the first press with me red so lettering on the cover is like an eighty dollar <laughs> record now <laughs> that doesn't really surprise me though that the some of Both these have clear. not been sold. It's unclear. I don't know. Some of these are like I would have thought that stuff would have been on there. Is that actually? Now I'm looking at the photo. Is that Ensign on the cover? I don't think that's Ensign on the cover. I thought it was, but I don't. Again, I'm not the biggest Ensign person to decipher that. You got to hear that self-titled single. I think. Yeah, listen. Like, I got insane. no beef. It's just never a band I really got into. But it's crazy because like Tim, uh, obviously, you know, for like he's in this hardcore band with Michael Lee and Black. Also, roadies for Sick of It All during, like, the hairiest period, I imagine, of being Sick of It All, or roading for Sick of It All. And then, uh, you know, and then, and then you know, it was part of this sort of, like, youth crew kind of revival. I got, I got to get him on the show. For sure. I think, like, well, now you have a, you have a, uh, a means. I got a means now. I got, I got, well, you know, I don't know if Michael Ian Black's the best way to, to get him. No, I, can probably, but you... I can probably reach out on my own. Rather than hit up Michael Ian Black, he didn't. <laughs> no, but what I mean, you to heard say how quickly he wanted to get off the phone, Chris. I don't think he's <laughs> really on. Like, text me anytime you want, dude. I mean, with regards to the fact that you have something in common beyond just punishing yes. Tim over your like of Ensign. Yes, no, definitely. Yes, you're right. And also, Ensign, full credit for the being the band that originally invented the underdog ripoff sleeve. <laughs> what? What do you mean? You know the underdog ripoff sleeve that No Warning did. 
for the first seven inch. Oh, sorry. Okay, yeah, yeah. I thought you were talking a t-shirt, like a long sleeve. I was like, what do you mean? Okay, yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah. They did the uh, whatever. They did the underdog cover yeah. lift. Yeah, look at the tour version of their first seven inch from 96. Oh, the first one? Let me see here. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> I didn't know that. Nice. Yeah, the original, the original uh, flippers of that graphic funny euro tour only it says yeah 100 copies wow there's one for sale for over a thousand dollars yeah the guy i think just wants people to make him an offer he says clearly yeah that's wild <laughs> that is nuts that's thing, like it, that, that guns and roses record you know there's ten thousand pressed of it yeah and it's and it's like a 500 hundred dollar record like that's how you know something's like crazy rare when it can still command that price and there's that many of them floating around they also did a tour cover for one of their other seven inches of the side-by-side. Side. I saw that. I remember yeah. having a conversation with him, too. Like, Tim, I got to get him on the phone because, like, they were, like, they stayed at my friend's house when I was a kid. Like, I followed them around, like, you know, like, like you know, rode in the van with them, showed them around, ate dinner with them when I was, like, 14, <laughs> just, like, brand new, like, or, like, 15, brand new straight-edge kid. Like, these are my straight-edge friends. <laughs> yeah. I would love to see some of this in hindsight. Just like if someone could have footage of this, these encounters I could just watch. <laughs> just to see how badly you punish these people. I was a punisher, Chris. I was definitely an unapologetic punisher. <laughs> well it's okay. You got you got uh you got to your where you needed to be in life, so you know it, yeah, it, like, it was Dude, that's what this podcast is, like, you know. You don't like <laughs> You know, understand what this podcast is like an excuse to punish. Yeah, but I think it's also as funny as these stories are in hindsight, even if and when you, you get him on the show or whatever, like it's they always like the Davy Havoc one is a great example because it shouldn't have lived beyond anything being like a, a an awkward one off encounter, yet it's lived to have like a second, third, fourth, fifth act, and now you're sort of pals. <laughs> I know he and I were actually going to record another episode when I was out in San Francisco, but yeah, we were or L.A. But we were having too much fun shit talking. Uh, yeah. we were like, oh, we can't record this. It's way too. But it's just it's so funny because like again, it, it just goes to show that your enthusiasm has led you here. <laughs> like, yeah, like I think it's one of those things. Also, if you believe in it, it can happen. Sure, you know, like and so. You know, granted, I didn't do my zine, which I promised I would have back then <laughs> in that warp tour. But at the same time, I did. You know, like this is just like wanting to have these conversations with people, and then finally they happened. And then weird things happened, like fucking Michael Ian Black. Turns out he was involved in this shit. Yeah, like Michael Ian Black, the guy from Wet Hot American Summer, like one of my favorite films to watch, like a like a comfort movie for me almost. Uh, it is a very good movie, yeah. It is somehow in this band featuring the dude that I used to punish mercilessly mercilessly when I was uh, a kid in the fucking van. It's like, <laughs> it's faded, Chris. It is, and it's a very, this one is one of the funnier ones you've figured out, too, because I would have never guessed this. <laughs> no, nor would I have. Nor would yeah. I have. There's uh there's some other cool stuff coming up in the in the works. There's some like other cool reveals in the next few episodes. Nice. Um 
and there's some like and there's some like legit just fun conversations that I think reinforce the fact that I don't know just something about this music that just drew people in, you know, and a certain type of person that would wind up doing interesting shit. Yeah, I agree. I think you've you've continued to th- to sow these uh, whatever these connections. I'm telling you, this is the punk comedy connection. We have the punk wrestling connection, <laughs> the punk comedy connection, and then one day maybe you can make like the punk foosball connection or whatever. Thing you like. <laughs> yeah, I'm not worried about making those connections. I like I like when my worlds aren't connected. <laughs> uh, I don't know how you can deal with that, Chris. I could not. I don't want a world. I don't want to live in a world without connective tissue. <laughs> that's fine <laughs> that's fine we do have one a user wrote in a user a listener wrote in pardon me weeks ago with one of those connections so whether or not i feel like going down that rabbit hole at one point what we'll there's see. a football connection yeah he wrote in Stuart pierce england manager also played for city guy oh, uh, yeah we talked about this he's on the oh, i can't remember what record but anyway yeah he's like pictured in like a famous punk record and he's yeah he's he's it, it checks all the boxes yeah okay but uh i don't know if i feel like <laughs> creating a whole thing about it <laughs> could you talk to him about the shit lickers i don't know if he'd be into that yeah, if well, i had to no guess. fucking robbie brookside <laughs> Mike yeah. drop chris Oh, fair enough. King of Punk, Mike Drop. Well, I might be able to. We'll see. I don't know. That'd be crazy. If that, that, when then, you know, I've been encouraging you forever to do Turned Out a Jock. No, yeah. I don't have the time. Let's be honest here. <laughs> well, Chris, I think we've, uh, we could talk forever on this subject, but, yes. uh, we should, we should call it because both you and I have, uh, lives to lead. Yes. Um, but is there any more points we should get to before we let this one rest for tonight? Well, I think we should at least acknowledge Husker Du, Husker Du, however we yes. want to pronounce yes. it. Yeah. Um, because he talks about them in great length in the interview. And I think there is a whole uh, type of person that exists in subculture that I feel it, Husker Du is their uh, gateway. And I was not that person, but I always find it fascinating how many people were, seemingly. Uh, I don't know if we have a great deal on this show that we've interviewed, but there's definitely been a few times, of course. Yeah. At least a few times that's come up. But uh, I thought his mention of it was particularly interesting, that group particularly, that Candy Apple Grey was the first one that he experienced and, you know, whatever got into. Um Oddly enough, uh, that was the one record of theirs that I really gravitated to. I found it difficult um, getting into the other records. So I'm with him. I feel like, for me, it's that's my favorite record by them. Um, which is probably, for a non-Husker Du fan, so to speak, it's probably a controversial opinion, much like some of my other non-fan band-related opinions. But uh, what are your thoughts? I'm with you. And this is a weird thing for me to kind of uh, admit too, because like, you know, now I've gone and I understand the whole catalog, but Candy Apple Grey was the one that I got into first. And it was at a point when also, you know, buying CDs was expensive and to try and buy an SST CD before I found out about, you know, independent record stores meant $32 at HMV. Yeah, it's fucking crazy to think what they were charging people for and how much money they were making, and like, yeah. they were selling these terrible pop CDs at a loss and making up the difference by gouging fans of specialty music like hip hop, you know, 
specialty music like hip hop and punk and jazz and metal. You know, it's it's like the economics of that are grotesque when you think about it. But you know, so I had to get a UCD, and the one that I found used was Candy Apple Gray. Yeah, and, and that was the one that I got into, and like, you know, I don't want to know. Uh, if you're lonely is still like one of my favorite songs ever. And I know that's like saying you like fucking stairway to heaven or something (laughs) about Led Zeppelin, but like, God damn, if that's not a perfect song that sums up every feeling you have as a adolescent. Well, I think it's funny too, because a lot of times when I think of groups, um, that I'm into, uh, I always have that ones that were I, I didn't see like either didn't see when they existed period or, or got into late which is a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like and again eighty six this was much before my time too but nonetheless um, you know I got into this record later of course but the uh, it was a wedge video though it were like city limits even video like you yeah, see yeah. it on TV yeah it was in the mix for sure but this is one of those things where I feel that fans of this group up until this point. You have that uh, whatever the 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 division of opinion on this of the major label, you know, Husker Du, Husker Du, whatever um, stuff, as opposed to the early stuff. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is one of the things that Privilege of Age did not like. Normally, Privilege of Age is is something that I cherish, and I'm bummed I don't have it with some groups. With this group and this record, I'm glad I didn't because I like this record and I genuinely believe, you know, again, as a non-fan, granted, non-like like head, if you will, mm-hmm. um, I do believe this is the fully realized this band. Like, I think this is the when they when they come to be what I believe, like the the fully realized vision of what this group is. Um, again, narrowly knowing some of the early stuff, not not a great deal of it. Um so for me, I, I like that I wasn't tainted by the idea of hearing it and going, well, it's, you know, sellout or whatever. Because um, I, I don't know. I, I like this record. But yeah. I've also stated that I, I think Sugar's great <laughs> as well. And uh, maybe even for me, Superior, which is probably also sacrilegious to say to a lot of people. It's funny because, like, this was, th- that record comes out around the same time as Cinema Verite by Dramarama. Yeah. Which has uh, I'll Do Anything. And mm-hmm. for me, those two songs are like enormous, yeah. Linked sonically too. Totally, yeah. Um, they seem like they could have been written by the same person. Yeah, they that's really always. Do. But I, I'm gonna guess the Dramarama one seems to be an AP version of Husker Du. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. It's '85. Um, yeah, I, I don't mean that song per se. I just mean the whole vibe. Yeah, the whole vibe. Because that, right. that's right. definitely like, <laughs> that's definitely their territory for sure. Yeah, but um. Yeah, it is bizarre, but again, that's just those years, I suppose. You know, that kind of whatever, you know, you know, I don't know, power pop left of maybe not left of center, but whatever. Not quite hardcore punk, not quite power pop, not you know, somewhere in that world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there. It's a. It's I don't know. It's, it's there. Uh, it was a weird period for music. Obviously, there was a lot of you know, just not a lot of. I don't know, like, just not a lot of hope, I imagine, if you were a band like this. No, not at all, of course. Like, you get that radio rock song. It's also weird, I would also put, like, you know, and this is coming up, because, you know, spoiler alert, uh, we have, you know, Peter from 
the only ones as a future episode, but the only ones too are another band that I would slot in there. Like these bands that like had these like just like fucking ungodly, unbelievable hits. Um, but then also just have like catalogs of, or that are also, you know, worthy of these hits, but like yet are somehow defined by these hits. Like in the case of the only ones, it's another girl, another planet. Yeah, it is bizarre. I think that that was an era. Well, it's, I think all eras previous to this contemporary era were like that. But um, yeah, it's weird. It's weird because I think there's a, a lot to sink into with a lot of these groups that gets ignored. Not so much with a group like like Husker Do or whatever, but um, yeah, I, I get what you mean. That must be a weird, <laughs> um, must be a weird thing to live under, if you will. Yeah. Also, Clem Burke played in uh, Dramarama. Okay. Which is very weird. I didn't know that. Anyway, that's that's just something I noticed right now. Um, yeah. But like, it's a yeah, it's a weird. It's a, a a weird, amazing period for music. I'm the Stramarama. Oh, the mess. Sorry, I'm like now, now lost in a Dramarama. Yeah, uh, you're full full discogs K hole going on. K hole. This is the problem, Chris. When you start staring at records, it's it's you know what it's like. It's like staring into the void. <laughs> well, it's magnificent, but yes, it's, it's all it's all encompassing. But yeah, Absolutely. there you know, like, and it's funny that that would be the record that he got into even then, that it was still that kind of record for them. For the Candy Apple Gray you're speaking of? Yeah, yeah. Candy Apple Gray. Yeah. Like, it was like, it was the gateway record, and that's why I guess so many fans hated it, and I think you're right, and, you know, that's very apt that, like, this like, the one time where you benefit from not being there at the time, so you can be like, no, 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 hold up, this is actually a killer fucking record. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and it makes you kind of think about, like, how many records have we... You know, and I mean that you and me specifically. Yes, of course. Yeah, written off that are actually like <laughs> you know the the candy apple gray of objectively, of yeah, the greatest stuff. Yeah, yeah, and I say that as a person who's probably put out records that have had similar reactions <laughs> from fan bases. So, well, I think I like the rule I tend to go to all the time is first two. It tends to be something to stick by. But yeah, there are instances, and this is one of them, where I can't explain why. I just feel that you know a, a record like this is the most definitive of a group. But um, I do think some groups age better. I think it's a more rare, but it, I do think that's the case. And I think for for me with this group, that's. Although I, you know, again, I'm sure everyone's gonna freak on the SST records for sure. Obviously, like I hear people talk a lot about Zen Arcade in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so New Day Rising, you know, everything falls, all that stuff. But for me, I don't know. Can April Grey was the one that resonated with me still the most. Um, but again, I'm not a deep head, so I'm not the best indicator. But that's my uh, my take on this show. Yeah, like I'm, I'm. I'm right with you. Like I, I love them the whole way through, like everyone else. But uh, th- there's a, a soft spot I have for that record. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. And I guess uh, is that it for tonight, Chris? I don't know. I think we're good. I think we need we're good. to uh, need to go on anymore. No, because we got we gotta we gotta move on because we got next week to kind of get ready for. For sure. And next week's a big one. Uh, I know you're a fan. Uh, yep, and I'm a fan. 
Uh, we have John Reese from Yo Gabba Gabba on the show next week. <laughs> nice. Uh, no other credits. No yes. other credits. He, he might have done something else, but I, I think <laughs> what I know him from is as the Swami that I see every day on um, my kids' TV. <laughs> the funny part is I've never seen that to this day. You've never seen it? <laughs> no, probably because I don't have children. No, no, that's maybe why. But you know what? Come over. <laughs> I, I'm sure at one point I will experience Yo Gabba Gabba at your place, yes, sure. definitely. A... If I come over not at 11 o'clock at night, yeah. let's say, yes. Yeah. Also, it's funny, um, we got a bunch of guests coming up that tie into Yo Gabba Gabba. So, finally, my podcast is popular with my kids. <laughs> That's funny. You know, they're like, what? <laughs> that guy's coming on? This guy's on your podcast? Like... You know, I was like, I just got off the phone with a swami from Yo Gabba Gabba, guys. No big deal. They were like, what? <laughs> Gave me Very an excuse nice. to play uh, Scream Dracula Scream over dinner that night. You know, it was a, it was a, it was a good evening. And that's next week. You get to hear the whole thing. There we go. Um, but that's it, Chris. Anything you want to add? No, I'm good. I think we're good this week. All right. And if you want to get in touch with us again, uh, hit me up at left for Damien on various forms of social media and you can find me uh, over email turn it a punk podcast at gmail.com how do they get in touch with us here though Chris turned out a punk footnotes at gmail.com and we will be back next week with John Reese conversation and uh, and the hits will just keep 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 on coming here <laughs> I think that's all the weed I smoke. <laughs> <Kicking in. laughs> there you go. Oh, God, it's go. been a long day. Uh, all right, thank you, Chris. Love you, buddy. Yeah, man, time for bed.